<laughs> yes, that's right. All these other wrestling podcasts, they have no class. And they say they're perfection. Perfection is boring. I'll show you excitement. I'll show you how to get some color. <laughs> Guys, welcome to episode... I, I, I truly forgot the episode number. I just said it. 27 guys i i gotta i gotta bring this up every time because i produce multiple podcasts i always have to look up the episode number and it pisses me off and i did it like literally like a second ago so my brain is pretty fried today but here we are doing some uh wcw and wwf in 1993 we're going to be discussing first the i guess you could call it a because it was a pay-per-view in New Japan, it seemed like, and it was more of a house show, if you think about it, for WCW. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so we're talking about WCW, New Japan, uh, the Super Japan show, pretty much. Uh, I have it, actually have it right here. Super show. It's the WCW New Japan Wrestling uh, Super Show 3. And, and apparently it's the fi final one because I think that's when WWF gets in the market of Japan uh, as far as being there. And New Japan just set, decided to go, we're done around here. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't have any news this week. Uh, we did talk about it on Big Trouble Podcast about the uh, Peacock deal with WWE. But we're going to hold off on that story because they didn't release a lot of news they just said that we made money and we're going there and to be prepared we don't know what's happening to the wwe app uh and what what's going to happen and how much you're going to pay so we'll wait until we talk about that so i think we should just dive in right mm -hmm. now let's let's start it off it, it, and keep in mind new japan even new japan today like their storylines that they don't have that pr much promos like their their uh, regular shows that they have, um, their promos are pretty quick, and not as big as WCW or, or WWE. Uh, it's more it's more today because of how modern today is, where you have to have that like anime shit that Kenny Omega does. Um, because it, and also they're in Japan too, so Japan loves that stuff. Uh, it's true. But we have a big opening match between Justin Thunder Liger versus... You called, you called him Justin. <laughs> oh, Justin. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Justin Thunder Liger. <laughs> and uh, is it Ultimo Dragon? Yeah, they kept saying Ultimate Dragon. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's Ultimo Dragon. Why are they saying that? And then the Chiron came up, the little graphic, mm -hmm. and it said Ultimate Dragon. And I was like, does WCW just not know who the fuck Ultimo Dragon is yet? And they fucked it up. Like, <laughs> I, I, feel, like, okay. I feel like Jim Ross in this, because, and you could tell in his commentary, by the way, because it, it, keep in mind, New Japan, they, they're strong style and they are high risk, like most of their wrestlers. Every time, like, like they, they would go on the top rope and, like, throw their bodies into the tables and shit. Like, Jim Ross was having, like, a conniption, and you could tell in his commentary. And, you know, Tony Schiavone was just like, this is fun, you know, because that's who he is. That's, that's, that's how he is now. Yeah. He's like, I'm just here for the ride, man. Let's go. Yeah, but... So, uh, real quick note before we really get started here. 
this show actually took place on January 4th. Um, and they're showing it to, they showed it to the American audience, like in March, like it was like the week after or the weekend or whatever the shit, uh, after the last, um, Saturday night we watched. Yeah. So keep in mind when we get into the Ron Simmons, they just like talk recently how Vader uh, won the belt off of Ron Simmons. And then you see Muda win the fucking, I mean, spoiler, uh, even though we're seeing this late anyway, uh, in our, in our timeline, he gets the New Japan, uh, the NWA championship, which he faces Barry Windham later on, and Barry Windham wins. So, yeah, um, keeping that in mind, but it's really just for the, you know, the matchups to see these two brands pretty much go at it and see what happens. Uh, some of them were hit and miss, and some were actually really, really entertaining. But this one, apparently, who was the wrestler that was from a different organization in in new in new japan was it ultimo dragon was he the odd the the outsider yeah ultimo dragon was apparently the outsider here yeah and um i guess at that time ultimo dragon was the iwgp junior heavyweight championship yeah uh, that's that's new japan's belt mm-hmm and uh new japan usually does that with if they work with other promotions like uh, Moxley had one of the champions uh, championships for a really long time. I still think he does. United States, yeah. Yeah, so they they usually do that. Um, but what do you think of this match? I I'm gonna hit you with my cliff notes, and you're usually the play 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 by play guy. Okay. It was entertaining. There was definitely some possibly miscommunication because some of the moves looked fucking rough uh, when they botched it. Um, and especially when they were doing high maneuvers and stuff, like I, I think Ultimo Dragon hit the fucking barricade with his head, and Jim Ross like brings that up. Um, but I this was a good first match. I I was highly entertained. It kind of like I was glued, my eyes were glued to the screen because these are two good wrestlers, and you know obviously Liger just recently retired like two years ago, maybe I think or a year ago. I think it I think it was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of this match? Well, <laughs> um I I got mixed feelings about this match actually. Okay. I and wanna hear it. I'll kind of, yeah, I'll get into it as I'm as I'm gonna go through it here. But like um I wanna say real quick, I like Jushin Liger. I really like Ultimo Dragon. Yes. He was one of my favorite guys they had in WCW and he was in the uh, cruiserweight division. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I really learned about Ultimo Dragon, how cool he was. One of my favorite like wrestling meme pictures is like, you ever see the picture of Ultimo Dragon where he's holding like twenty belts or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says like ability. You don't have as much as this guy or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh man, that's such a cool fucking picture. That's like Dan Severn where he has like all of his his UFC belts and the fucking NWA championship because he was NWA champion at the time and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was, it, I don't know. I like pictures like that when guys shows off all the fucking titles and makes them look legit. Yeah. But um, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good match. I know Jason Liger's like a legendary wrestler and Ultimo Dragon's like fucking awesome too. Now, um, is Liger, because I know he's been wrestling a long time, but is this like when he's starting to like get good pretty much? I think, I think at this point he's been wrestling for a few years. 
like maybe five to eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, before this, he had a neck injury. He used to do more high flying shit. Like he used to do like shooting star press and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, he kind of changed his style to be like more grounded and stuff. The w- the way everybody knows how he wrestles now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they start off and Liger and Ultimo do a bunch of arm drags and takedowns and shit to each other for like it feels like two minutes. <laughs> that's New Japan. And they stand off, and I was like, "Yep, that's Japanese junior heavyweight style right there. Mm-hmm. That's that's what they do." And then um, they start doing submissions. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the match. They they start yeah they start doing a bunch of submissions to each other, and I'm just like, it's been a while since I've seen Ultimo Dragon wrestle. I was like, God damn, man, that guy is so crisp. Like, everything he does just looks great. And it really annoyed me because, like, Jim Ross and Tony didn't know, like, half of the submission moves. And, like, Tony would hear, like, he's, like, flexing him like a bow and arrow. <laughs> well, at one point, they do they do, do a bow and arrow lock. I don't know if he called it right. No, like, he didn't. He, he's doing one of the other moves. But <laughs> the only one I forget is the one where they... um. It's surfboard. They usually call it a surfboard. I think it's called a Mexican surfboard. Mm. The one where they pull the guy up and they're holding him by his arms and legs, and he's, you know, yeah, they're doing they're doing versions of that. But um, at this a little bit past this point, I'm like, the action is fast, but not too fast, so you can kind of keep up with like what they're doing. Yeah, but the, I think they might transition between the submissions too much too fast. And this is what I started seeing. Like these guys aren't selling the submissions; they're just <laughs> they're just like getting locked into submissions, and then they'll be in it for like maybe half a minute, mm-hmm. and then they'll break out and put the other guy in a submission. And then it gets to a point to where um, Ultimo starts doing a bunch of leg submissions to Liger, and basically it seems like it does no damage to Liger's legs. Mm-hmm. Like he, he gets him in three or four leg submissions and then after a while liger just gets up like nothing happened that's that's new japan i i don't know if it is if it's really new japan or not necessarily because there's other matches here where guys do submissions and shit to each other and they they sell it um i don't know i think it's i think it's just this a style thing here the the junior heavyweight thing yeah um, then it, the the point where somebody finally starts to sell something is when Liger goes. They do a crisscross, like they're gonna do something to each other, fly at each other. Mm-hmm. Liger does the flying cross chop thing, and he misses. He just face plants. Finally, that's what takes effect. <laughs> <laughs> he missed a move, and he's like, "Uh, uh." Um, let's see. Oh yeah, this is the first slip. Ultimo goes to the top, and. I'm not sure about this, but I think um, I don't know how many people know this about Ultimo Dragon, but he's not really Japanese. He's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And um, he wrestled mostly in Mexico before he started going to Japan a lot. And I think the ropes kind of fucked with him because he slipped three times in this match. Yeah, and, and Jim Ross and Tony like bring it up as well. He's like, oh, he slipped again. Maybe he should not do that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you think after the first two times he wouldn't do it again? He did it again. <laughs> <laughs> but 
he's got a point but like uh that 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 made me think about that i'm like oh maybe the ropes on in the rings in mexico wherever the fuck he was at before like triple a or whatever they might have been different he just wasn't used to the japan ropes maybe um because that guy is so good like that's very out of character for him to like fuck something up like that three times no less you could tell he was getting pissed yeah i wonder if the crowd was like intimidating him a little bit because that was a big crowd dude that whole fucking Tokyo Dome was filled to the brim. It was a very big crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this point, Ultimo tries to um, <laughs> he tries to salvage it. He baseball slides Liger outside, and he like kind of runs into the barricade and shit. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the top, and he does a crossbody, and puts Liger through a table, and he hits his face on another table right next to. Him. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, dude." Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was necessary. And then they do a tombstone reversal sequence. Yeah. And then the sequence gets broke up by accident, like Ultimo slips. And then he gets him back up and he tombstones him. And then that's when he slips again on the top rope. I don't know what he was going to do. <laughs> he slipped again. I was like, fuck. He fucked up the tombstone sequence. Then he fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. There was a part where uh, Liger looked like he was going to do like a superplex, but like, it looked like he like bent fucking Ultimo Dragon's neck, and like JR's like, it's a super DDT or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he does this weird suplex and tries to pin him. And then after that, Liger comes back. Mm. I don't know if he comes back or I don't know if he's just trying to take control of his match because Ultimo's fucked it up so much or something. Mm. <laughs> but he just does the capo kick, you know, that rolling kick he does, and he hits guys. Yeah. And. Then he sends Ultimo outside. He power bombs him on the fucking floor and does a rolling senton from the top rope. Yeah, they brought up a couple of times about how Vader does the power bomb, the Vader bomb, and uh, (laughs) and I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I get what you're saying, Jr., but like, you can't compare a Liger bomb to a fucking Vader bomb at all. I mean, Liger fucking he he puts it his whole fucking body into it because he has to like slam the dude but like vader bomb bomb he just like throws him (laughs) it's different i think jr was just trying to keep vader over in the eyes of the wcw audience so to speak you know he's Mm -hmm. like oh yeah these power bombs are great but they're not vader bombs Mm -hmm. you know and they called that move a moonsault by the way i'm like no that was not a moonsault that he he flipped forward (laughs) yeah like, all right, guys, whatever. Anyway, Liger does some cool moves. He does a German suplex, and then he weirdly kind of does like a cocky pin, like he's a heel. Yeah, he like, then, like bounced up like a rabbit, and then like yeah, started... he bounced up and then put like a hand on his chest. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this guy's been kind of kicking your ass for a while. Like he's been fucking up a little bit, but like then you cocky pin him after like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ultimo goes apron Liger. He kicks Liger away, and he tries to do a Tornello on the outside, a flippy, twisty move. And his fucking legs hit the barricade, so he hits him. He hits something on the outside again. And I'm just like, he's like getting his, he's fucking himself up, doing all these crazy moves and shit that mm. seem kind of unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I said, the the match is like, it was fun to watch because of the uh, back and forth. But, like, the botches started getting to me a little bit. I mean, I didn't really mind the selling part, part where, you know, the submission. Um, 
they showed off what they could do, but they didn't like sell it well, like you said, and I agree with you. Um, but like the botches were so, like I was like, wow, this is a this, this is like a maybe a six out of ten, and then like I was like, up oh, going down, going down, going down. And I'm like, ooh, it 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 goes back to being pretty much like almost even. So yeah. So the finish here was interesting. It was Liger does a sit out Liger bomb. Sometimes he finishes people with that. But mm. then he like picks him up and does a top rope Frank- Frankenstein or pins him. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Now we could go over scores now, but I have something to say after it, or oh. or I can just do it now. Uh, say what say what you're gonna say, and then we'll score it. All right. So I thought this match was sloppy, and there was unnecessary moves, and it felt like a spot fest. Like I've seen other junior heavyweight style New Japan matches that weren't really like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just because both guys never really worked with each other that much before or something. Yeah. And they're they just didn't really I don't I don't really know a lot of like what Liger style is or what he tries to do too much. But Ultimo Dragon, I was a little surprised by some of the stuff he did in this match. <laughs> okay, especially some of the botches. Um I felt like there was illogical psychology a lot. <laughs> Constant moves, little breaks in the action, the submissions that didn't sell anything. And then Liger acting like a heel all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I was like, I thought Ultimo Dragon was the heel because he's the outsider and he has the belt. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I don't know. Everybody seemed off and. Honestly, I can kind of see the beginnings of problems with modern wrestling all the way back to here. Yeah. I, it's, like, it, it's becoming clear and clear that people who watch New Japan tapes from back in the day, like in the really late 80s and early 90s, were really heavily influenced by the junior heavyweight style. But they like, all took the wrong lessons from it. Like Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. They like to do all the sequences and all the fucking moves and all the fast moves, and they don't want the pace to slow down any. But it's like, the thing is, they would do bursts of action, and then they would stop for a little while. Yeah, because they're tired. (laughs) Yeah, and they did it here, even though I'm saying they didn't do it enough, they did do it here. But that's it. That's all I got to say. I was like, because this made me think, like, this is just... I'm just seeing shit in like modern wrestling now from this, like all the bad stuff about this match. I see it here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Cause I think I'm going to be a little bit more positive in my score a little bit. So I gave this a 5.1 out of 10. Cause I was like, I liked it. I enjoyed it, but the botches started to annoy me. Cause I'm like, it, it felt like they were, like you said, they were trying to get to a spot really quickly. And because mm-hmm. they were trying to get to that spot, it made them cause mistakes. Maybe that's what fucked up Ultimo Dragon. Maybe he was too busy worrying about getting to that spot where he was going to do something. He fucked it up. And I don't know. Maybe Liger was like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to just start kicking you now. <laughs> something. Yeah. So I actually scored it a little higher than you because everything else they did was good mm-hmm. for the most part. But I gave it a 5.75. Okay. This match should have been a lot higher than what it was considering who was involved, but it just sometimes that shit just does not happen. Mm-hmm. 
All right. We got Ron Simmons versus Tony Halm? Halm. Halm. And I'm going to change his name to Jack from Tekken because his hair looked like a little mohawk and his body type just looked really fucking like Jack <laughs> from Tekken. Um, How much WWF did you watch back in the day? Like, were you watching around like 93, 94? No. Okay, I was going to say, this guy, Tony Hall, I'm like, this dude looks familiar. Like, what the fuck? I went to look him up. He was Ludwig Borga. In, in WWF, he was like one of the multitude of anti-American wrestlers Vince likes to put together. Oh, God. And he was somebody they set up for Lex Luger to fight, and it was not a good feud. <laughs> so, Surprise. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're, we're going to see him later in, in America. <laughs> <laughs> um, This match fell flat for me. Um, Bron, I don't know if it was Ron Simmons' fault or Tony's fault, but I felt Tony was better in the first half of the match, and then like Ron Simmons kind of like saved the match a little bit, but it was started getting really botchy uh, in this one as well. Uh, and I don't understand what Tony was going for. Like, was he doing, like, martial arts or something? And, like, Ron Simmons is like, what the fuck? Like, are you doing... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess Tony Holm ha had a uh, a mixed martial arts background, kind of. Mm -hmm. And he was doing some of that stuff. Not really. Most of it was, like, in his strikes, it seemed like. But... <laughs> Yeah, there was, like, a part where, I don't know, they were crisscrossing each other, and then, like, it looked like Ron Simmons was selling a kitchen sink, which is, you know, that's when the guy runs across from you, you're running at each other, and then he knees you in the gut. Mm -hmm. Mr. Perfect sells it all super well all the time. He does, like, a flip. He, like, rolls and does a flip, and he's like, oh! <laughs> like, it fucking killed him. Ron did that, and I was, I was like, okay, but fucking Tony Holm did not even attempt that move. <laughs> I yeah. was so confused. Yeah. I get what they were going with the matchup because it's like these two big guys and like, oh, you know, let's see two giants go at it. And I just, I didn't dig it at all. I, I was too busy waiting for the finish. Um, they did a bunch of like power moves and I was a little impressed with Tony Helm. Um, I thought he had a good move set in the beginning, but I think you need to do what <laughs> what WWF Raw and WCW Saturday Night are doing. I think I, I keep in mind we are just seeing like a house show slash slash pay per view, so maybe we didn't see the build up to him. But I, I would rather see him like squash somebody in this pay per view than face Ron Simmons because I I don't think they had good chemistry at all, and it really ruined the match for me. Yeah, uh, I didn't think it was bad or anything. It was just kind of okay. And honestly, most of that was because of Ron. Because, mm. uh, like, uh, there was just some cool stuff he did that surprised me in this match in, like, terms of how he could move and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, he was he was doing some pretty athletic, fast kind of stuff and doing a little bit of technical wrestling, which I'm not used to Ron Simmons doing. Mm-hmm. 
Like they did this shit where it's like, okay, they try to overpower each other. They do the shit. It's like hit me, do the shoulder thing. See if you can knock me down. And Ron tried it a few times and couldn't do it. <laughs> so he he, got, he tries to do it one more time, and then he like fakes him out and does a drop toe hold and clotheslines lines the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he hits like a power driver out of nowhere, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that got it too, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That would have been a good way to end the match. He just fucking power drive him and wins. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's that weird cell I talked about where I think they didn't. Somebody thought they were going to do something, and the other guy thought something else. Yeah. Um. Home does some pretty solid looking strikes. Like they look good. Uh. And then he does like a kind of a weird splash, and he does a side slam, and he does a spine buster, and it's like okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote that down. I was like, I do like his like cross body corner thing that he does. Yeah. So I was like, I was impressed with that. Like, cause you don't see that a lot. I mean, you see it with the smaller wrestlers, but it's not like devastating as as he does it. Because look at the size of him. He's like going like he's a little bit bigger than Ron Simmons, and he's like doing that cross body stuff. So. Yeah, and then um. <laughs> I like this part. He just punches Ron in the face, and then Ron just flies out of the fucking ring. <laughs> He's just like, whoa! Like, he hit him so hard, he knocked him out of the ring. I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. Then they go back in, he hits a power slam, he gets two, and then Ron hits his power slam. Mm-hmm. But he only gets two. And then all of a sudden, Ron Simmons is doing small packages. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's doing... I've just never seen Ron Simmons wrestle like this before. It's just surprising. And then he hits a spine buster and he gets a pin. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I it could have been better. I don't know if he could have a better match with this guy, honestly. It, I think it's just you know, incompatibility thing. Um every time I see more of Ron Simmons when he's younger, like I get more surprised by him and I want to see like more matches with him. I want to see him in a good match with somebody. This is pissing me off. I'm getting upset. Yeah, we keep on seeing the match like either get canceled in a match or like uh, seeing shitty matches. So yeah, oh, like oh. I want to see I want to see him face Dustin or I want to see him fucking fight like Barry Windham or something. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. So what'd you give the match? I gave it five point five. It wasn't bad. Uh, the I gave it just points just because of Ron. Honestly, <laughs> if he wasn't there, it would have been like fucking lame. I gave it a five out of ten. I just gave it average. Yeah. Um. Now we have a tag team: uh, Masa Saito and Sheena Hashimoto versus mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes and Scott Norton. I just want to say Scott Norton's fucking awesome. <laughs> I I like. I knew that Scott Norton was like kind of like the new Gaijin wrestler in Japan that was like this big fuck that just no sell shit that beats the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it came across in his match. I was like, okay, okay I get it now. <laughs> it, it, it it's funny because like we all know Dustin Rhodes and and like some of the people in Japan know Dustin Rhodes because of because they mentioned in the match that Dusty teamed up with Dustin in one of the New Japans, which I kind of want to see. I want to see. That was last, that was last year's. Yeah. I kind of want to see that. Um, so 
I do have to say Scott Norton would uh, maybe because he's you know in New Japan uh, at that time, but he was so over, dude. He was over than Dustin. Like I feel like there was at times where Dustin had a little heel tactics here and there, a little bit, and like Scott Norton was just like killing people. But like that—that that was his only motive in the match. I think because honestly, like he just read the room and like Scott Norton, I'm pretty sure is a heel in Japan mm-hmm. at this point. And Masa Saito, the JR does a good job establishing Masa Saito is like a fucking wrestling legend in Japan. So like at this point, he's at the end of his career. So he's basically a baby face. Okay. And Shinya Hashimoto, the other, the other dude is just, He's newer, I guess, and he's just, I don't know, he's just a newer wrestler guy, so he's babyface, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But this is interesting, though. You know, they say, they later say, oh, there it is, the Saito suplex. Apparently, Masa Saito was kind of an innovator of some of the harder hitter Jap- harder hitting Japanese wrestling style. Like strong style? Yeah, because his... his big heyday in wrestling back then was like the seven like the 60s and 70s really oh damn yeah so he goes back a ways he's and a then, veteran yeah allegedly he invented the sharpshooter scorpion deathlock Ooh. so that's kind of interesting so he's, he's created a few moves that a lot of people have done mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe that's where the hitman got it from hitman brett says he learned it from conan Maybe. And uh, he said he said in his book when back when Conan was at uh, WWF Max Moon, because <laughs> <laughs> it was like when Brett was starting to do his singles run, and he's like, I need a finish besides like roll ups. <laughs> Conan's like, Well, I know this whole brother. Check this out, and he showed him how to do a sharpshooter. I gotta read Brett the Hitman's Hearts uh, book. Oh, it's super good. Like it's honestly great. Because I wanna I wanna read up the part where. Uh... Pretty much, like Owen Hart, like Vince wasn't sold on Owen Hart, and like Brett is like, let me do something with him, and like he's, it, it, I heard somebody like read a paragraph in the book where he's like, and that's when I knew I got Vince or something like that. Yeah, where he, he convinced him to do the program with him. That that pretty much sold him on Owen after that, really. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe we should make that a thing. Maybe we should make that a. A, a podcast episode once i read it i guess i'll have to reread it because it's been over 10 years since i read it i read it back when it was new yeah i gotta see how much it is on the amazons um i the high, highlight of this match was like scott norton especially when he was he was hulking up during this whole fucking match there was one point where I, I want to say the because this is gonna sound racist of me, but like one of one of the Japanese guys, uh, like hit fucking uh, Scott Norton hard in the back of the head, and I wonder if it like by accident he actually did get hit in the back of the head because Scott Norton got up, he like tagged it, fucking dusted it, he like he stood there for a while before getting you know on the side apron. I he might have got rocked a little bit, but I don't think he was hit that hard. I think he was just selling. Mm-hmm. but um because it did get to a point to where like scott norton would no sell but eventually he would take damage yeah like there's a bunch of parts like i liked it like like scott norton is fucking huge at this point in time 
I, eventually he comes to WCW and he, I think he was in NWO, wasn't he, for a little while? Yeah, he's an NWO member. Yeah, but he seemed like he was bigger here than what he was when he came over. Yeah, because Scott Norton, if I remember correctly, he was more of a comedy guy in WCW. Which is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, come on, hit me. And then, like, Hashimoto, like, does two roundhouse kicks to him and he fucking no-sells it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, okay. And then he does, like, a spinning wheel kick, fucking misses, and he just clotheslines the piss out of him. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love about this. I was like, I I was telling one of my friends about this when I was watching it. I'm like, if you don't know who the fuck Scott Norton is, it doesn't matter. He's just this big fucking huge guy with a mullet who just no-sells moves, and he beats the piss out of little Japanese wrestlers. I I wrote down in my my document here, I said, man, if Ryback had a fucking mullet, he would be Scott Norton. Scott Norton's better than Ryback. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 no. I, there was times where Scott Nor- Norton is like, finish it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Am I here? Finish it. Yeah. Over. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, like, that's what Ryba- Ryback would say. But, like, obviously Scott Norton's a better wrestler. Yeah. Let me see. What else do I got about this? Uh it's just mostly some play-by-play, but I don't even know if I really want to go over it because uh, it was good. It, this was this was a pretty good match, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote a little note where I said, like, man, even Dustin with, like, these, these vet – like, one dude's a veteran Japanese wrestler who's done shit forever. I feel like he's just physically – he's kind of hit his limit, you know? And this other guy, I don't know. He's just weird. He's kind of fat. Yeah. Hashimoto. I don't know. I, I've never heard anything about Hashimoto, but he's just like a fat guy with like chops. <laughs> and like an Elvis haircut almost. Yeah. And it's like, uh, he does some okay shit. He does some kicks. He has a nice DDT. But like, I was like, man, Dustin is just, you could tell Dustin's like a whole other level above these guys in terms of like how to move and how to do shit. It's weird. He slowed, I, feel, I feel bad for saying that, though. He slowed it down, definitely. Like, he pulled back in this match. Um, yeah. There, there was a part where, uh, I, again, one of the Japanese guys throws Dustin, like, out of the ring. And I forgot there was a ramp there. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to die. Because, like, Dustin, like, threw himself, like, you know, when he, when he's getting thrown out of the ring, like, you make it look good. And, like, he, he, he got thrown out of the ring, and he's like, Landed on the ramp, and then like JR is like, Thank god that ramp was there because he would he would have fell on the concrete. Oh, yeah. Um, the finish was uh interesting. Like, Hashimoto hit some DETs, and then Saito hits some Saitos, and shit kind of breaks down a little bit. And mm. I, I don't know where that Hashimoto guy hits like some kind of jumping roundhouse to the back of Dustin's head, mm-hmm. and he just goes down, and that gets three. And I'm like, Oh. Okay, I mean, like, I guess they buy that as a finish. You know, a guy jumps in the air and kicks you in the back of the fucking head. Yeah. That should finish anybody. Well, there, there was a part at the end before that finish. Uh, I forgot what move was hit, but, like, Dustin was out, and then, like, Scott Norton, like, jumped, like, 50 feet to, like, break up the pin. He ran across the ring and was like, ugh! And just, like, <laughs> ran over him. I was like, shit. Yeah. Woo. And it, 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 that got a pop from the crowd. I don't know if you heard that pop, but it was a pretty good pop for Scott Norton breaking up the pen. 
I remember learning that, that like Scott Norton was apparently huge in Japan, and I was like surprised just because of what I saw of him in WCW. That's all I had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? Why? And like now, though, now that I see him in that environment, even though this probably wasn't really the best display of him, I don't mm-hmm. think. Uh, I, I kind of want to see him in some singles or something. Uh, it was still like. Yeah, I, I get it. This guy's like the big Gaijin wrestler who just beats the shit out of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave this a 6 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I gave it a 6.5, I guess, just because I like Scott Norton so much. <laughs> and I love Dustin. So, you know, this kind of just further reiterated, like, how good Dustin is. Yep, yep, yep. So let's move on to a big match. The Great Muda versus Masa Chono. Masahiro Chono. Yeah. They, JR just calls him Masa Chono, and then they just start calling him Chono. <laughs> uh, so this match is for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Which I believe was held by Chono, right? Yeah, Chono had that. Okay. So I never knew that a, a Japanese guy owned NWA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did for a little while, I guess. It's interesting. I, I always thought like NWA was like owned like either American or at least somebody who speaks English. Um, I thought that was like a thing but maybe he's maybe he speaks english <laughs> and he's just japanese who knows you talking about chono no 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 i'm talking about the uh president of the nwa oh then yeah i don't know i don't know much about that guy um but yeah they kept, uh, they, they kept on bringing him up <laughs> wally was it wally yamaguchi yeah something like that yeah i don't know much about him yet uh, I wrote down this. I said, Muda looks fucking scary with face paint. Uh, I, you said it on Facebook, and I'll just reiterate myself as well. He was better in this match compared to Barry Windham. Uh, I think because, one, he's in his own uh, federation where he could has free reigns, and one, he's he's getting two championships, so he has to look fucking strong as fuck. Um... But I enjoyed this match. It, it was a it was a powerhouse, dude. Like these were two heavyweights going at it, and you could tell. But Muda Muda fucking took it to a whole new level. What, what about you? What do you think about this match? Um, I what did I see? Let's see. It was it was really good. Muda was great. He was he was Muda again, like mm-hmm. how I know him. And I was that's why I was so disappointed in that one match. I'm like, what the fuck was that? I was so, so sad when I saw that match with Barry Windham. I was like, that's not... It's like Muda just didn't even have a match almost. Yeah. Now you see why. Because, <laughs> like, this is how Muda usually is. Like, this this is even probably, like, you know, one of the better examples of a match of his. Mm-hmm. This is just, a, to me, this is, like, just a, a solid Muda match. But uh, Chono is kind of interesting, too. I didn't really see that much of him before. Me either. What's funny is later on, both these guys joined NWO. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. Yeah. 
I, I just want one day for WWE to be like everybody in the NWO is in the in the Hall of Fame. Oh my god. <laughs> there would be like 30 fucking people going in. Yep. You have Buff Bagwell in there and then you <laughs> Buff finally gets his induction. Yeah. <laughs> um let's see. I like they they start out and then like Chono's being like honorable and shit. He's like, shake my hand, brother. And then Muda just kind of like ignores him. Mm-hmm. And then he spits the mist, and I'm like, "Yes, this is this is it. Here we go." <laughs> yeah, because he didn't spit the mist in uh, against Barry Windham, right? He didn't even use it. He's kind of a baby face in that match. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Muda is a baby face. Eventually, became a baby face in America because of just how cool he is. Yeah, that's just what happened. Yeah, but, because um, because back then when you cheered. For a heel, that's when they had to change the heel to a face. Yeah. I remember, I think I remember the big turning point for that was like, I think Jim Cordette told a story about it or some shit. There was like some pay-per-view a couple years ago or some shit when Muda was actually a member of the WCW roster. And they did this intro for like this get big gimmick match or some shit. Some pyro fucking went off and set something on fire like near where Muda was at. Mm Mm-hmm. And Muda spit the mist on the fire to put it out. <laughs> and then it, uh, when everybody saw that, they were like, that was fucking awesome. They started cheering him. <laughs> it was like, well, that just turned Muda babyface. He put a fire out with fucking mist and saved everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah, they lock up and they go to the mat and they don't let go of each other and shit. It's like a really intense lock up. Yeah. And then they go to rope break and they log up again. And then all of a sudden, like they go to a corner and Muda does one of those crazy fucking drop kicks he's able to do. Yeah, he, like it's like he rolls up and does like a flip out and drop kicks you and rolls away from you. It's like weird. Yeah, that drop kick was sick, dude. It's so strange that a guy that size, like, cause Muda's kind of a bigger guy for a Japanese guy. He's like maybe six foot one or two, maybe a little bit more. I think he's six foot two. And he's able to, like, kind of do some pretty weird acrobatic shit. Um, then he goes outside. He's forced outside. And he grabs, like, a ratchet or something from <laughs> under the ring. <laughs> and he just kind of walks around menacingly with the ratchet. And then the referee's, like, counting him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, fuck. And he just goes out there and he takes it away from him. But, like, I was like, oh, I see what he did. That was smart. Mm-hmm. Fucking forced him to break the count. And then he went back in there and restarted it. <laughs> so he like bought himself like 30 seconds to get back in. Um, He's like, yeah, Muda's like super intense. So you can tell with the strikes and everything, mm-hmm. like he's slow. He's really slow. But then when he suddenly does something, it's like super intense and fast. And I don't it... It make me every time I say this is gonna make me sound racist, but like, uh, like Muda, like this big, like all muscled out, like Asian dude, like mostly like like when you see, especially in this pay per view, you either have like you know skinny high flyer Asian people, um, or you have the fat one like in the in in the last match, and then you have somebody like Muda. Was built like a fucking ox, him and Chono, just like yeah, Chono's a pretty big guy too. Yeah, and it 
it, it's nice. And plus, you know, with them being all big and everything, they were fucking flying, dude. Especially Muda. Muda is fucking intense as fuck, dude. He has the most intense elbow drop I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a, just a standing elbow drop. You know, where he runs away and he does the... It's like he has a fucking seizure and he hits you with this elbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called Shining Elbow Drop. <laughs> I always write it in capitals because it's, just, it's a stupid Japanese name and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. They just do a bunch of cool wrestling shit for a while. Knuckle locks and... Shono does, he out-wrestles Muda a little while. Yeah. Drop to a hole, turns it into a death lock, and they stand back up. Um, uh, Shono does a sweet STF, by the way. Oh, yeah, his STF's great. He does better than Eric Watts. Better than John Cena. John, fuck, John Cena's STF isn't even an STF. Yeah. <laughs> I, hated, I hated that forever. It, was, it, it pissed me off every time I saw him do it. Yeah, and Muda's fucking face paint was slowly peeling off during that whole match. Yeah, it was slowly peeling away, and it's like, oh, well, you know, that, that happens. Yeah. Um, let's see. Then there's this part where they, they kind of go outside, and then, like, uh, Muda, like, fucking bounces off the ropes and bulldogs him on the ramp. And then he walks, like, super far away. And then he just runs at him full speed. As he's getting back up, it just levels him with this huge clothesline. Mm-hmm. And then he just like he he like runs to the ropes and bounces off. It's like he like ran so fast, like he couldn't stop himself, kind of thing. That was cool. Yeah, Chono did a real like he did a high flying move where he uh, looked like he was gonna do a clothesline, but ended up doing like a shoulder uh, charge into like Muda's chest. Yeah, a top rope shoulder block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that part was funny. We're like, uh, like right after that move, Muda gets to the ring, and it seems like he's kind of collecting himself. Mm-hmm. And he gets up, and he's like doing a pose, like, oh, I'm so cool. And then Chono just fucking punches him in the side of the head because <laughs> he took too long to get up. And then I think he did like a superplex and a Saito suplex because he tried to go to the top, and like Muda fucking stopped him. Yeah. And then he gets a German, a pretty nasty German suplex for two. <laughs> He does this move. I love this move. You know the handspring fucking flip elbow shit into the corner? Yeah. Like, a bunch of people have tried to rip that move off and do it. But nobody can fucking do it like him. I agree. When he does it, it looks like it fucking hurts you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. I don't know. Um, especially when girls do it, it just looks like shit. I'm not trying to pick on girls. I don't know. They just can't fucking do it like he does. Yeah, don't be Muda. You can't be moving. Yeah. You can't do it like him. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> um, then there's like, he goes for a few moonsaults in this match and he misses. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's just, it's cool to see like, oh, his finish is a moonsault. When was the last time somebody's fucking finish was a moonsault? Um, <laughs> not at the lion salt. I was like, I was like, oh, um, Chris Jericho and, and, William Regal at WrestleMania 17, but that was a lion salt. And then that was the thing, though, was like Jericho didn't consistently ever finish people with that. Mm-hmm. He would, it was mostly like a signature move, like, oh, he hit the lion salt. And then it was, it was for a good near fall or something. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, Muda does another one of those crazy ass drop kicks. He does the shoulder block. Chono does the shoulder block, and then a power bomb. Mm-hmm. And then Muda goes for another moonsault and eats a fucking knee. <laughs> then he just gets up and does a rib breaker, and then hits a moonsault, and then says "fuck it," and then hits another moonsault. And he pins him by like taking his knee and like putting it against the throat. By the way, to have his shoulders on the mat. He killed him. Yeah, I was like, that's fucking badass. Uh, so I'm going to give you my score right away. Cause I think possibly this was the match of the night for me. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Ooh. I gave it a 7.25 out of 10. Nice. It was good. Like I said, it was good. There's much better Muda matches out there. But yeah. yeah, it was, it was nice to see. Okay. I wasn't crazy. I just didn't imagine all this shit. I was, I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and pretty much, you know, he wins both belts. He looks he looks strong going against uh, Barry Windham, and then we know what happens in that match. <laughs> He's not so yeah. strong anymore. Um, it kind of just felt like he just needed to drop the title to him. Um, next match is a six man tag. Oh boy! Uh, Akira. You say all their names, or you want to do it? <laughs> I think it's funny when I do it. And okay. you, you just like correct me if I'm wrong. Akira Na Noagami, uh, El yeah. Samurai. <laughs> That's easy. Can't fuck that up. <laughs> uh, Tak Takayuki Azuki Zuka, whatever. Izuka. Uh, Goki Katahara, uh, Masaeo Araha. Oh, I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> Nabu's. <laughs> I don't know how to say that last, but fuck it. You... Nobukazu Hirai. There we go. <laughs> I think Eric Bischoff did the same thing. He saw all these names. He's like, fuck, I know El Samurai and Hirai. So that's, that's the only two I'm going to try to fucking remember. So I got, a, I, got a, I got a question for you. So, like, did JR and Tony just say fuck it? Or were they just like, man, these guys have too many matches in this fucking federation. We need a, we need a lunch break. I think, yeah, because obviously they weren't there on location when they did this. Mm-hmm. They they dubbed the commentary in. So, although yeah. there was a shot of Eric in front of the crowd, yeah, it was fucking blue screen shit. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing that something might have happened and maybe they weren't able to do it or whatever. So, they're like, mm-hmm. Uncle Eric had to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I, this was the, the, he didn't get this point across. Like, okay, okay, look, like Eric Bischoff. I'm not going to say he did a terrible job here, because he's not a regular commentator. But he didn't sell. The, <laughs> he didn't sell the match for me at all. No, he, he like that's the thing is like they put this. I don't know if he took it upon himself or he was put into this position, because at this point he's not in any kind of position to be in charge of anything still. Yeah. He's just a member of like the fucking production team or some shit. Um it, so they put him in this spot and like, okay, do commentary for this match by yourself with all these Japanese people you don't know, go. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta think like they kinda put him in a, a shitty spot. But on, honestly, I didn't think he did too bad a job in terms of like calling the match, like what was happening. I think, but I think he got he got burned out halfway through, and he just kind of sort of gave up because he just didn't know who the fuck anybody was. 
he did this by himself, right? I didn't hear another yeah. voice because I was like, man, he needs a color commentator in the match, especially when it's a six man tag. Uh, it's hard to call a match by yourself. That's really that's one of the hardest things you can do. And he did pretty okay. I will give him that, but he didn't sell me on this match at all. Like no. there there was parts where he was like, Oh, and he's doing this move. Oh, my mistake. I meant to say this move. Like obviously that's more of he's not a commentator. He's just trying it out, I guess. Or I wonder if this was like a joke, but be like, here, just stay right here. Uh, oh, you're going to be recording this match now. Uh, JR and Tony are at, like, at Chili's or fucking Red Lobster. I like how he said they went to the sushi bar like they were actually in Japan. That was funny. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. This is one of the matches I kind of checked out. Uh, I was like, I don't know who these people are. Um, just look like a bunch of... <laughs> Look <laughs> just like a bunch of Japanese wrestlers just doing uh, spot moves and here and there. Uh, there was some ground stuff that I just didn't care about. Eric put me to sleep. I'm just gonna put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'll say some stuff about it. Yeah. Not much because just because of the circumstances, but like Eric missed a key point here, which was I think this was an interpromotional match. Because the first group of guys that came out, Izuka, Nogami, and El Samurai, mm-hmm. one of the dudes was wearing a war shirt, all capital letters, WAR! And that's a uh, wrestling fucking promotion in Japan. That was like another one that, that was around back then. Mm-hmm. It went defunct in 2000. Um, so it was like war guys against New Japan guys. He never said anything about it. I'm like, okay, I guess he just didn't know the angle or some shit. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, like I said, they start with El Samurai and Harai, and he never calls it by his first name, just Harai. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get it because El Samurai has El Samurai on his ass, <laughs> and he's wearing like this goofy fucking mask. <laughs> and Harai is the only guy who's bald. So, <laughs> so like the other guys like honestly if you lined them up together it's like you got three japanese dudes wearing trunks that are all of similar builds the guy in the pink trunks was probably the biggest one out of the three yeah and then you had the dude wearing the the pink fire pants that they never tagged in <laughs> so, oh, so it's like what do you what do you say i, mean, like, <laughs> I think he was tagged in once he, he got tagged in once but through the rest of that match he never got tagged in Probably because his pants. His pants were on fire. He just couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, but Uncle Eric, like I said, Uncle Eric is doing a little bit better than what I thought he would in this position. He's calling more moves. He knows more moves than Vince McMahon does. Yes. <laughs> That's Vince a fact. will still surprise you sometimes. He'll say, God, ah, got rich suplex. Shoot the <laughs> half. One, two. Oh, he didn't get all of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, the guys did good stuff. I mean, I like when El Samurai hit that drop kick and Eric freaked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just doing spots, like they're just doing arm drags and shit to each other. Mm-hmm. And then they do a crisscross thing. And then El Samurai just runs and drop kicks him. And Eric's like, oh my God! Because <laughs> <laughs> that dude like flew out of the ring or some shit. He's like, that drop kick! Oh, 
man, <laughs> you gotta understand the Japanese. They they practice the fundamentals. So a drop kick from them is just is it, just perfect. It's it's way better. <laughs> he sold it, I guess. So that that's a good thing. Yeah. Um. But like you were saying though, like I checked out just because I didn't know who the fuck anybody was, and the commentary couldn't help me. Yeah. So like, th- this is like a good example of how you kind of need commentary if you're watching TV because if you don't have it, you just have like almost you're missing half the context of like what's going on. It's not like when you go to a show and watch it live. That's like a totally different feeling and everything. Yeah, and to kind of like bring sports ball into to equation, um, it, for example, hockey. Uh, if you just have like hockey on the screen, you're just oh you're just watching a couple guys just shoot hockey pucks at each other and like a couple hits in here and there, but you don't get that commentated where that intensity of the like, oh, I'm passing to this guy, I'm passing to that guy. Oh, if you look, it hit the it, the puck hit the guy in the hand. That's why. He was limping towards towards the bench, kind of like in wrestling. Like that's what you get. You get the context to what the moves are doing, and then you get the actual moves itself, where you're just like, oh, he's doing a superplex. He's doing a a DDT. He's going into a uh, rear rear naked chokehold or whatever. Um, so like having commentary does something. Except with Eric, I I, I still feel like. They just put it to him like, hey, you want to you want to do something, kid? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does the smile, you know, the smile you know. mm, with the <laughs> dimples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I started checking out, though, after a little while, just because, yeah, I had no context for what was going on. And I didn't know who anybody was besides El Samurai and Harai. Yeah. <laughs> so then pink trucks and blue trunks come in because I don't know which one's Nogami and which one's Izuka. But I say pink trunks and blue trucks seem like damn good wrestlers. Yeah. Just from watching them, how they, how they work. I'm like, these guys seem like they're fucking good. Like, honestly. And then uh, shit happens. And then El Samurai comes back. They beat the fuck out of Hirai for like a fucking long time. <laughs> this guy gets his ass kicked this whole match. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a spot. There's a sequence where like El Samurai hits a superplex. A tombstone power driver, which I guess is like a regular high spot in Japan. And he does a top rope diving headbutt, and he gets two. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> he hit all three of those moves in rapid succession and got two. <laughs> fuck. Um, Hirai gets the fuck beaten out of him by pink trucks and knocked unconscious, apparently. Well, did, like, you... Shit. did you see that, Matt? The end of it? Like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, did you see when El Samurai did the fucking uh, the pile driver on the the bald headed guy? Yeah. Uh, Arai. Yeah, that's who he did it to. He did that sequence. Yeah. It's just but like uh, this was after that though. Like I don't know what I don't think that he got legitimately hurt. He I think he was just selling. Yeah. But it, it, this was just weird because it's like okay that guy he got the sh- I guess he got the shit kicked out of him so badly that he finally got knocked unconscious, <laughs> <laughs> and then shit breaks down in the ring and then finally the ring clears and he's just laying there in that same spot the entire time not moving, 
and then Pink Trunks pins him anyway, and he lost. <laughs> he didn't even fucking tip the kick out. I'm like, so you're telling me he got knocked the fuck out for like 30 seconds and didn't move and got pinned. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh jeez, I, I wrote down it because it ended weird, by the way, because I was it like, because yeah. like when he was in the middle of the ring, like I felt like they were rushing towards the Sting match. I don't it know. might have been. It, I th- it, I think they were maybe then again this is New Japan like they own everything in that arena so I'm like I don't think they were cut for time I don't think unless they were just like we really just want to get past this thing and and uh, Hase match and I'm like why this match was good <laughs> anyway yeah what what did you give the the six man tag uh, match okay. So I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. And even though it was like lacking commentary and shit and all this other stuff, it's just the guys working did a really good job. Mm. They still had something like if it had commentary behind it, it probably would have been a pretty fun, good match. Probably one of the better matches on the show. Yeah. But it just didn't have that. So all you could do is watch a match through televised broadcasts, but you don't have the added benefit of being there in person. <laughs> so it's just something's lost. Yeah. Uh, I said WCW did a presentation, did a real disservice to this, and they made no attempt to keep track of who anybody was. <laughs> and it just, that that's all I have to say after that. Yeah, I gave it a 5.4 out of 10. I, like I said... It was decent. I just didn't know anybody. Eric kind of took me out of the match sometimes. Uh, uh, but overall, like, it was still nice to watch and laugh about <laughs> as well. I See, love the ending. I just like that a guy got knocked the fuck out for half a minute and pinned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. So here's our main event, even though it's not the event's main event. So Sting versus... Hiro Hase. Hiroshi Hase. Hiroshi Hase. Uh, so Sting looking like Sting. Surface Sting. Yeah. Uh, I like that uh Hiroshi Harase um coming out in like fucking leather uh leather uh jacket. <laughs> like he's he from had high a school. jacket and everything, yeah. Yeah. And then JR did a good job selling this guy, saying like he he quit job teaching. And he he wanted to fucking pursue his dream, and he's he's a good wrestler. I'm like, cool. I like this guy. Yeah. Kind of reminded me like, because usually what happens when they do these like overseas things, they, like they try to compare wrestlers to be like their doppelgangers or something like that. And I felt like hero hero uh, whatever Hase, um, he was kind of like a surfer stinger kind of wrestler a little bit i mean he doesn't have the fa- doesn't have the face paint but he had like the same tone and uh vibe i guess he had the vibe of a solid baby face wrestler guy even though i felt like he was being a little heelish in this match mm-hmm. i guess because he wanted to they wanted to make sting look like a, a cool good guy and it worked and by the way sting's new japan theme is so much better yes it's just like the, the, the fucking rock music. The, duh, 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 duh. 
good. He's like just going down the ramp. I'm like, yeah, this is the shit. I hate hmm. his fucking weird theme they have from like Slam Jam. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a love hate relationship with that. There's some good ones in there, and then there's some bad ones. Like the Sting one is kind of blah. Mm-hmm. I just like Sting coming out to rock music, and then he just fucking like whips your ass. That's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Ricky Steamboat. He's a fucking family man. I was ah. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Uh, I really liked when uh, Sting did the military press like for a long time, and people were like wowing it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, he just get up and down with this guy, and then he just throws him. And then he hits a pair of drop kicks, and then Hase is forced out of the ring, and then Sting goes like he does the ah! thing, and everybody was like, "Yeah, this guy's awesome." Hmm. He uh, Hase did some good chops on Sting, uh, and I also like how he brought Sting down a little bit with his headlocks. Yeah, he did like some some uh, mat based wrestling shit. He, he like waist lock took him down, and then did like a death lock. He put him in a death lock, and then he did. He did a little ravishing Rick Rude thing there. Mm-hmm. He did the little hip swivel, and then he puts him in the Muda lock, which is like that's that where you bridge back and you like pull on their neck. Yeah, I, it's funny. It's called the Muda lock, but Muda didn't even do it in his match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then Hase was gonna go for a Scorpion death lock, but Sting blocked it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of protecting his move. I guess maybe. Yeah, because I think that's another just move that a lot of people use in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, Hase starts working Sting's leg. Yeah, I really like the psychology of Hase in this match, um, because you know we've seen we've seen a bunch of matches where it's like not selling, you know, what you're doing to the leg, and Hase did a real good job of like doing it and then Sting selling it. So it was. It, it felt like good communication in this match. And by the way, his uh, Boston Crab is it? Is that is that the move where he's like taking the one leg and like doing like a a sharpshooter just with one leg? He did like a. It's called single leg Boston Crab or single leg crab. But the way he did it was cool because he he kept it like elevated. Mm-hmm. It was almost like he was doing a lion tamer with one leg. Yeah. Yeah. And he, 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 you're right, because I'm, I wrote in the notes, too. I was like, wow, this is kind of heelish for Hase, I guess. And he was kind of cheered as a baby face coming to the ring. So, yeah, I guess they had to make Sting look strong as a face, maybe? I guess. Hase did, like, an awesome sequence of moves, though, later. He did, like, a, what the fuck, he did, like, a Russian leg sweep, and he did, like, this throat thrust, and Sting's, like, selling all of this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he throat thrust, and Sting's like, oh, uh. <laughs> And then he does like a swinging neck breaker, a stalling pile driver, and then he does a diving knee drop, and he hits, he gets two. And I'm like, <laughs> I know it's Sting, but it's like, goddamn, he hit like three big, well, two big moves, and he got two. Yeah. But uh, Hase's beating the hell out of Sting outside. He like fucking hit, hits him on the barricade. Does some Uranagi suplexes. I'm not I, that move has some other name, but I I forget it. It's, it looks like he's going to do a rock bottom and he just fucking suplexes him. Mm-hmm. Um, they roll out and then Sting just picks him up and scoop slams him on the floor and he starts coming back. <laughs> he hits him on the barricade and he went to do something on the top, but it looked like 
I don't know what happened. Like if he came up short or Hase fucked up, but they kind of collided. Or maybe that was supposed to happen. I don't know. But I also wrote down because Hase did this move and I don't remember the move, but it, I'll tell you how he sets it up. Kind of looks like he's doing a, a back power slam kind of thing, but it, like, you know how um, a rock bottom is, right? Yeah. Uh, you know how Bray Wyatt kind of does like that rock bottom type of move? Yeah. He does it. Uh, Hase like takes him and like throws him over this way. And he did it. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was talking about. It's like a suplex kind of. Yeah. I, I called it a Uranage suplex because that's Uranage position, rock bottom. But he suplexes them. I just don't remember the proper name for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to call it a knuckle era or anything like fucking Excalibur. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Stinger starts coming back. He's He's hitting him. And Sting, Stinger ain't having it, brother. He starts no selling. Yeah. And these shoulder blocks hit some fake crushers. And then he tries to do like a rolling pin thing. But this, I like this sequence. Like Hase bridges out and Sting rolls through and then he's trying to do a backslide, but he can't get it. So he goes up to the turnbuckle, backflips out, and then punches him. And then just runs away from him. And jumps up on the turnbuckle and just dives back at him because that's all the only thing he can do in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And it got a near fall. I was like, that was fucking cool. I, I like that. It just looked like desperate. Like it was like this really technical reversal shit, but Sting was just fucking tired, so he did that. <laughs> uh, Sting charges Hase the ropes. He does an O'Connor roll, and he holds Sting's tights. Yeah. But then he kicks out, and this thing just clotheslines the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Asse tries to do another one of those Uranage suplex things. Sting breaks out, and he does his big jumping DDT, and then he just does a top rope splash and gets three. It was a good match. I actually might make this one of the, the best matches of the night for me, I guess. I actually, I'm changing my thing because... It was good. It was a good, well-rounded match. I don't think there was any mistakes in this match at, at all. Yeah, the only one I wasn't sure is when Sting tried to come off the top that first time, and they kind of collided with each other. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that was intentional or something was fucked up, or Sting couldn't jump far enough or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I gave this a seven point seven five out of ten. I gave it seven point five. I said, "Damn good match." Hiroshi Hase is a good wrestler. And yes, I'm interested maybe in seeing more of his stuff. Surfer Sting continues to reign supreme. <laughs> trying to see what else Hiro Harase did. Was he ever in the United States? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the guy. I never really heard of him until I watched this match. I mean, the name sounds vaguely familiar, but like I just I never really seen anything with him in it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what do you got overall thoughts about the show? Um, to kind of go back on the card, there are two matches that stand out for me. Uh, the Great Muda versus Chono and the, obviously, Sting versus Hirohase. Um, mm-hmm. The other ones, like the Scott Norton and Dustin Rhodes, they were good appetizers. Ron Simmons and Tony Helm kind of fall short. 
uh, Liger and uh, Ultimo Dragon could have been a good match, but there was so many botches. Uh, the six-man tag, I just didn't give a shit about. <laughs> yeah, uh, the commentary was kind of subpar. Nothing really exciting about it with uh, JR and uh, Tony Schiavone. I think JR did a solid job, but you mm-hmm. know, there's only so much he can really do without being there. Yeah. And then obviously when Eric had to come in for some strange reason. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm going to give this whole pay-per-view six out of 10. Yeah. I, um, this kind of made me nostalgic for the nineties Japanese wrestling scene. again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after seeing this, I wasn't like, Oh man, I traded tapes back in the day. Cause I fucking wasn't old enough to do that shit. I was like, uh, I don't know. I was fucking, seven maybe six or seven when this was going on (laughs) yeah uh and but like when i when the internet became more prevalent and i was able to find stuff uh i kind of watched a few japanese matches from the 90s and i learned more about liger and muda and stuff that's cool so it kind of I have some nostalgia for like that time, even though I wasn't there to really experience it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish Liger and Ultimo could have been better. Um, Sting and Hase was match of the night, pretty much. I gave it six point twenty five out of ten. Oh, we're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. I guess we need to get this out of the way. <laughs> we're gonna be doing March eighth. 1993 WWF Raw. Um, so it starts off with Hulk Hogan and uh, Jimmy Hart and Brutus Beefcake, uh, the Mega Maniacs doing their promo, and I hated it. <laughs> I hated it so much. Um, I get what they were going with this. They were trying to, you know, they're they're pumping up to WrestleMania nine. And I didn't really care what Hogan had to say. Didn't care what Brutus Beefcake had to say. Uh, Hulk Hogan did like this hokey thing about Brutus's face or something like that. Kind of like bringing back about the briefcase and everything. He, or, said, he said, I've been hitting Beefcake in the face with a metal br- b- briefcase to get him ready, brother. And I've been punching him in the head. I'm like, so you're like trying to damage his fucking head for training? <laughs> what? <laughs> and... I think what really pissed me off is when they did this like knockoff Saturday Night Live kind of intro where it was yeah. just like, it's Monday Night Raw. And after just... you said that, after you said Saturday Night Live, I was like, yep. <laughs> and I could just think of just Vince being like, we're in New York. Let's be like Saturday Night Howard Wrestling. <laughs> Do it. Oh, uh, Rob Bartlett's back. Yay. Even though he never left because he was fucking Elvis last week. And they they made that canon somehow. And Elvis was there. Not him. Also, real quick, that promo was like just nothing. Besides, it it bothered you more than it did me. I just thought it was just kind of lame. Because all it did was reiterate the shit they said in the rambling fucking promo they had that one time that took up a quarter of the show. Yep. 
So like it's like oh, you just told us everything you fucking told us over a week ago again, <laughs> and just but you did it really goofy and made you made you guys made each other look stupid and whatever. <laughs> They're gonna become champions and uh, that's it. So yeah, and then they have this match, this this match to set up the champions to make them look strong before their fucking pay per view main event, the double main event that Minji Nogolin said it was going to be. But did it make him look strong? Because in my opinion, it looked made like Virgil and fucking uh, uh, Tito Santana look stronger. Because they controlled it, most of the match. It's That's what should have happened, but they fucking didn't book it that way. I don't <laughs> understand who whose thought process this was. It's like, alright, we got Virgil who's fucking nobody at this point his he's low card guy i wouldn't he might not be a jobber at this point but he's low card mm -hmm. and el matador poor tito santana who's stuck in this shit gimmick he just can't be tito santana and money inc who's champions so it's like well these guys should just smash smash over them. they're the heels they're the champions nope what that's not what fucking happened at all Virgil and Tito Santana just fucking cut the ring most of the match. I wrote, wow, IRS sweats a fucking ton in matches because he was sweating like a IRS person, I guess. <laughs> well, he, was, he told everybody, you're going to pay your share. And he was fucking sweating, thinking about all that money everybody owed him. <laughs> uh, Virgil was, uh, I think in Virgil's head, this was the match of his life because... <laughs> Because the he, man of his life was the one against Ted DiBiase where he fucking lost. But yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he was he was going off like I I wouldn't say he was terrible, but like he was like going all over the place and he was showing the intensity. Uh, they like I said they cut half of the ring most of the time. Um, and I wrote I said Money Inc looked fucking weak as fuck in this match, and yeah, I, I was I, like. I don't know. I don't see it. I get it. They're heels. Ted, Ted DiBiase is usually one of the bigger chicken shit heels of WWF around that time. Mm -hmm. But like IRS was usually portrayed as a pretty tough guy, despite being a heel, even though he would cheat and hit you with a fucking briefcase or some shit. Yeah. But here he just got shown the fuck up and got the shit kicked out of him by like two low card guys. Yep. I wrote that. I wrote this down. I said, this is how I would have booked a match. I would have said Teddy Biasi would have somehow distracted Virgil or something, uh, or distracted the ref, and then just fucking IRS man just hits Virgil in the back of the head with the briefcase. One, two, three, done. Oh man, that would have been so much better. Uh, instead, we got wow. Virgil is looked like he might win with Tito Santana as the matador, and then they do the dirty thing. And then I go, wow, this is going, you know, up to WrestleMania where they look weak. It's like, don't you want them to be strong and then have Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake win to have that big victory? Yeah, you think I don't? I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, but like, it's okay to me to see Tito Santana out wrestle somebody, even though he's the El, El Matador shit. Mm -hmm. Because Tia Santana is a good wrestler. Yeah. But fucking, yeah, he just controls IRS most of the time. And then he tags in Soul Train Jones. 
And Ted DiBiase doesn't want any part of Soul Train Jones, so he tags the IRS. And then the crowd starts chanting Irwin at him, like that's supposed to piss him off. <laughs> like, Irwin, Irwin. Like, it's one of those things you chant to heal to, like, piss him off. But it's like, that's his fucking name. <laughs> Why? Like, his name's Irwin R. Scheister, mm-hmm. IRS. And you're chanting his first name at him, like that's supposed to make him mad. Yeah. <laughs> Just boo him. Come on. That was dumb. Uh, yeah, Virgil doesn't have a lot of moves, I guess. I don't know. He just seems to clothesline people. Clothesline and crossbody. That's all he did. Clothesline, crossbody. There it is. That's all Soul Train needs. <laughs> but he did it. He did it with intensity. So the match yeah, of his they, life. They they double elbowed IRS and almost beat him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like what? And then it just keeps going. And then this is what gets me. The the babyface team starts working his heels. I mean, forget cutting the ring off and all that stuff. That yeah, they've been doing that, but they start doing fake tags where they make that sound, and then the other guy comes in and then like starts working him, and the referee didn't see it, mm-hmm. but he heard the. So he's like, "Oh, they must have tagged." They don't do that anymore because nobody likes to do wrestling tricks that are interesting or fun anymore. <laughs> so. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw anybody do that. It was probably, like, in the late 90s. Yeah. But uh, they were doing that, and then, like, eventually it just gets to a point to where IRS back suplexed Virgil twice and then pinned him, and it was over. (laughs) So so Virgil was just a nothing. Yep. (laughs) Because he got back suplexed twice and lost. (laughs) <laughs> IRS just needed to stop getting the shit kicked out of him by these fucking jobbers so he could execute two moves and win. Well, they did some distraction thing. Ted Ted DiBiase did what I suggested, but it was like late in the match. Way too late in the match, yeah. Yeah. Um, they should have done what you said because they could have cut this five or ten minutes, whatever this was, and then give Rick Martel and Mr. Perfect fucking five or ten more minutes. Oh, dude, don't get me started about that match. <laughs> um, I gave this a five out of ten. I thought it was, I thought it was the wrong booking, but I was like, it's funny seeing Virgil like kind of almost win. <laughs> I gave it four point seventy five out of ten because <laughs> the booking was so stupid. Everybody did executed the things they were supposed to do fine. Nobody fucked anything up. Mm-hmm. It's just the booking was illogical. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um. So this becomes a thing at the night, and I kind of liked it because it's Rick Martel. Um. But it, you see a ring girl in the ring, uh, and then Rick Martel would come out, take the sign, tell the ring girl to get out of here, and he would be the ring person and like troll the crowd uh yeah he said i am the only model <laughs> he does his laugh i fucking love rick martell yeah <laughs> you forgot something though what did i forget before that they showed a bunch of clips of tataka beating Shawn michaels oh yeah yeah <laughs> and it showed like that clip of tataka beating Shawn michaels on superstars and apparently that whole arena went ape shit when he beat Shawn michaels <laughs> I was like shocked. I guess Tatanka was big back then, like around this time. He had an undefeated streak of over a thousand wins 
Did you know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> that's just something he says. I don't think that's real. He's, I don't know why he says that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he faces, uh, Tatanka faces Phil Apollo. Okay, I thought that was his name, Phil Apollo. Yeah. I, I just called him Fat Jobber because I didn't catch the graphic. Yeah. All I wrote was, whoa, toss that fatty over the ropes, LOL. <laughs> he tossed him the fuck over like he was a sack of trash. <laughs> beat the shit out of him. He just chopped him and chopped him and fucking I think he hit one offensive move that guy did. I think he punched him or something. I I didn't count it though, because Satanka like hulked up with his Native American spirit animals. He 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 punched him one time and Tataka sold it. And then he was like, Oh, then he just came back and did the, the shit, the, the tomahawk chop. Yep. And then one, two, three, squash. <laughs> And then Shawn Michaels, during this match, he called in and did a promo over the phone. And it took me a minute to realize what he was doing. But then when I did, I was like, oh, okay, you're clever. <laughs> because he was like, and Vince was like, oh, we got uh, Shawn Michaels on the phone. Uh, Shawn, are you there? You there, pal? And then he's like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I see what's going on on the TV. And you know, <laughs> you know what this is? It's just luck. He's got the fever. He's... He's he's gotten lucky twice and he's about to break the bank or some shit. He's gonna roll snake eyes and he's gonna lose, go up and smoke. And he's like, Why is he making all these gambling allegories? And I was like Native American casinos. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> okay. Back when TV was edgy. <laughs> oh man. That was that was pretty good though. That was a good one. Uh yeah, squad. And then we had the WrestleMania nine report. Yeah, with old Mean Gene. And then he calls the fucking tag team match the the double main event. And then he, like, juxtaposes it against Brett and Yoko. And I was just like, wow, that's sad. Because mm. it's like, you got these four guys who were, you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan. And DiBiase is, like, was main event, upper card heel. Mm -hmm. IRS hasn't really been a character WWF until pretty recently in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Bruce beefcake's been around since the eighties mid card guy. Yeah. But it's like, you see all these guys and it's like the main event and the other main event. And it's like, those guys have been three quarters of those guys have been here since the first WrestleMania. I, I, <laughs> I wrote this down. I said, Brett is doing a pretty good promo. Yoko being Yoko. Like, Mr. Fuji's fucking cool. That's what I wrote. Brett's uh, promo was pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, and then it dawned on me after what Mean Gene said, because it's like, oh, double main event, because that's when Hulk Hogan and, you know, Bruce Beefcake win the titles, and then all of a sudden you get that shitty main event, what happens after that. So it's kind of like, it's kind of foreshadowing what Vince McMahon probably wanted to do. Like, oh, we're going to have, you know, Brett lose. Or was it Brett lose? Yeah, Brett lose. And then yeah. send in Hulk Hogan. Because that makes sense, right? <laughs> we're going to put it. Hulk, the Hulkster became a double champion in one night. Yeah. I didn't realize that until... I've seen this program get built up. I'm like, wow, what the fuck? Um, 
I gotta say this. I like Mr. Fuji, but eh, he's not helping Yoko in his promos. Mm-hmm. Yoko's staying in character. He's supposed to be Japanese and just not say much. Mm-hmm. But he needs Jim Cornette bad at this point. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it, pretty soon, Jim Cornette's gonna show up and be a, a regular character on WWF television. That's good. <laughs> I think it's in May. And it, it, you won't believe how he debuts. It's it's amazing. It's almost too perfect. <laughs> he debuts and has a segment with Bobby Heenan. Oh shit. I'm like I was I was like are you serious? <laughs> like, I didn't know that. And it's like it's only for 3 minutes or some shit, but like ever since I found out about that, I'm like I'm so excited to see that segment. <laughs> <laughs> um then they uh they also like uh, propped up the Taker and Giant Gonzalez, but it was only like Taker and Paul Bearer as the promo. And Paul Bearer doing Paul Bearer things. <laughs> uh, they were at the Undertaker's casket building place or whatever the fuck. It was cool. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker! Oh, yes! <laughs> uh, but yeah, that you know, it's your WrestleMania 9 report. It, it, it kind of... It, it, the reason why I kind of go, eh, because it's like, there's some good matches in WrestleMania 9. I think Tatanka versus Shawn Michaels was like one of the good matches. Um, but the rest, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I, I think Mr. Perfect and Lex Luger will probably be pretty good. Yeah. Um, We have Rick Martel doing more trolling. He gets that ring girl out of the fucking ring. Uh, and just you know, says he's the model. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think it's funny uh, just seeing him do that. Uh, such a troll move. And what's with the ring girls? Like they always they've been using them a lot. Like uh, with Lex Luger, it's like bringing out the fat ring girls, and now it's like Rick Martel just saying I'm the model. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's fun. It makes Raw look raw or some shit. Oh my God! There's a hot girl with a sign. And it's funny because you can do things with them, I guess. You have a fat one, so they can make a fat joke. Mm-hmm. Or you have Lex Luger be fucking appalled by, by that. And <laughs> you have Rick Martell come out and troll the audience. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Rick, Rick Martell so far has made the most out of it. Yeah. So now we have Papa Shango versus Mike Edwards. Ooh. And Rob Bartlett is scared of Papa Shango. Yes. He's also scared of Mike's back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I know I'm kind of, you know, pushing forward to the end. Was this a squash for you, do you think? This was a squash. That guy got no offense. Yeah. Uh, Dude, Papa Shango beat the shit out of him. <laughs> he beat the sh- his shit out of him. It was an understatement. What was that one move? Was it like a power backbreaker what was that that was a shoulder breaker shoulder breaker yeah that was, that was really fucking cool yeah it was cool you know i was watching this though and i was looking at papa shango and you know papa shango is kind of cool he's got like the the staff the smoke shit coming out of the skull mm. he's a voodoo guy and like i was watching him and looking at his appearance and i was like i just had this thought and i said where do you think vince got the idea for papa shango that James Bond movie that we saw with all the voodoo people. Was it Baron Somdi and James Bond in, in Live or Let Die? Or was it 
Temple of Doom because Papa Shango kind of looks like Molaram a little bit with the face paint and the shit. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, I mean, one of those two movies might have caught his attention. And, you know, Vince is super old and out of touch in terms of pop culture, so he probably just watched Temple of Doom, like, <laughs> before he came up with Papa Shango. Or he could have probably just watched Live, or, Live and Let Die. <laughs> Who yeah. knows? I mean, they could, he could have watched Live and Let Die and, like, had it written down. Because remember how Undertaker uh, was picked? Like, they had that character down, and Vince didn't know who would be the Undertaker until, you know, Mark Calloway came along and just decided to make him the Undertaker. I wonder who if he ever had anybody else in mind for it. Like, it was somebody weird. Like, what if Sid Vicious was the Undertaker? Dude. <laughs> Could you imagine that shit? <laughs> you think he would have he still fucking broke his leg? No, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think the Undertaker would have went anywhere because it would just be like, "That's Sid Vicious." Because Sid Vicious can't disguise the fact that he's Sid Vicious. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just—that's who he is. He would be like screaming at people. Yeah, he's he's like this angry, roided up zombie. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a squash match. Uh oh! Then it was Bob Backlund versus Tony Demoro. Yeah, Demora or something like that. And then Bartlett says Backlund looks like Opie Taylor, and that actually kind of made me laugh. <laughs> so Bart <laughs> Bartlett was pretty okay, I guess. He, he wasn't as he wasn't nearly as annoying as he has been this entire time for this show. Actually, maybe Vince kind of yelled at him a little bit, be like, "Dude, just shut the fuck up." What's screwing around so much? Quit fucking cutting everybody's nuts off on commentary, pal. That's not <laughs> what you're here for. <laughs> because um, he, he seemed a little toned down a little bit after Elvis, so. He got all the stupid out of him. Maybe Vince designed that to, for that purpose. Yeah, just be like, you be Elvis and just act goofy in this one episode, and then, then we'll restart, refresh. Kind of like when you restart a character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Bob Backlund tries to shake his hand, and then he doesn't want to shake his hand. Mm. And then during this match, Vince says, Hey, Rob, you want to go back there and interview Rick Martell? And he's like, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. And he just leaves. And then Macho Man's like, I don't think he'll he'll do it right, Vince. I think he'll screw it up. He'll get lost or something back there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bob fucking out wrestles this guy and then just does a under double underhook suplex and a hammerlock fucking float over shit and he pins him yeah another squash he squashed him yeah bob but man bob Backlund is coming back at 43 years of age can you believe it yeah it, i gotta like admit he was good but i just hate his character so much he looks goofy all the fucking time well hang on because <laughs> Because something's going to happen to Bob Backlund later. I don't know when. I don't know if it's this year, later this year or not. Okay. But Bob Backlund becomes insane. Okay. At some point. Like, I don't know what happens. I think Vince realizes he's not really getting over. Like, he thought he could be, like, kind of a good veteran babyface guy. Mm -hmm. But nobody's really taken to him anymore. Because I, I'm i not trying to be mean or anything. But I think Bob Backlund just became irrelevant. And, like, the current audience just doesn't know who the fuck he is. He has no relevance. Yeah, he reminds me of, like, the old wrestling where, like, 
bunch of headlocks and shit and like clotheslines and like just punches. That's about it. Like late seventies, early eighties style wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like trying to fit into the like this new group kind of thing going on here. And yeah. it's not working. Uh, he doesn't have like an outlandish character or anything yet. I just don't <laughs> I just don't like his posture in in the ring. I think it's very one boring. Two, he looks like I mean, he looks like what you're about to say. It looks like he's a nut. Like he's he's just about to fucking break. That's uh, what happens. And maybe that was the long story that they played or something. I don't know if it was or not. I honestly think Vince thought he could bring it back and he could be like the veteran babyface guy, like I said. Mm-hmm. But then he realizes it's not working back when he used to have the ability to be able to do that. Yeah. And then <laughs> he goes, all right, Bob, we're going to turn you heel and you're going to be fucking crazy. And <laughs> I, I still remember it because like Bob Backlund snapped and he started choking people out with cross face chicken wing until <laughs> they like passed the fuck out. And they had to pry him off of people because he was too strong. They needed like multiple people to like get him off of somebody because he was going to kill them. <laughs> and I can still remember like Bob Backlund, the, the big thing with like Bob Backlund and Bret Hart, they had a match and I guess it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, he choked Bret the fuck out with the chicken wing thing and like Owen threw the towel in at him. And this is like when Owen was healed. He was like, no, that's my brother. You're trying to fucking kill him. <laughs> now I can't wait. Yeah. Um, what was next after? Did I miss a promo? Because I feel like I'm missing a promo. Uh, yeah. When Bartlett goes back to interview Rick Martel. I didn't. I didn't see that. Okay. I must, okay. I, so I, I must have missed it. So he interviews him, and then he's like, "What's your deal, man?" That's. <laughs> it was just kind of funny. <laughs> he doesn't beat around the bush or anything, and he's like, "You're going out there, and you're like messing with the ring girls." And she's like, "What's your deal, man?" That's like literally what he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, goes, he just laughs and he's like these ring girls they have no class this place is classless nobody has any class look at this place he's like in some shitty backstage area mm-hmm. and like the whole time I'm just like why is he dressed like a boat captain like, <laughs> I don't understand and he has a pipe and I'm like when did Rick Martel start smoking pipes and being a boat captain I don't <laughs> Rob Rob Bartlett did a like love boat reference reference when he came out in one of the. I didn't, ca- I didn't catch that. I, they were doing the Gilligan's Island one. I was like, oh well, we yeah. That. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I wrote that that I wrote that down too. I was like, what did I miss something? Because he used to be the perfume guy. Like he would have the perfume thing, the the hose. Arrogance. And, he had the atomizer with the shit. Yeah, and like he would be like this model guy and, and this one he's just like i'm a boat captain with a pipe he, he's still a model he's just a boat captain yeah which i which i find funny because i digged it um it's but, rick martell he's just being funny did you think the build to this was kind of lame a little bit because like they just met put these two together like oh it's rick martell versus mr perfect and that's well, it what- Last week they did they did tell us Rick Martel will fight Mr. Perfect. I know they did that, but like maybe I'm just thinking too modern where like we have to see something happen, but No, I maintain that you know what, sometimes it's okay for guys to just have a match because mm. it's their fucking job, is it not, to be wrestlers? True. Touche. So some, so sometimes they it's okay to not have a build and just have guys fight. 
It's yeah. fine. Let's get to this match where I get pissed off because we miss an ending. The the promo I did at the beginning of the show was basically Rick Markell's promo. I just changed it around. I figured. So that's it. Because <laughs> that's why I was kind of like silent in, in the beginning because I was like, <laughs> damn it. I wish you would have seen it because then it would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to straight out say this. The the minutes that we saw of Mr. Perfect and Mar- and Rick Martell was decent, but it really ruined it for me when they had a commercial break or whatever. They wrecked the match because it was honestly the way it was building. I'm like, this is good. This could this could be a, a this will easily be the best match of the night, mm-hmm. and it still is even with this shitty commercial break handicap it had. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wrote Mr. Perfect showing off. I like when he does like the the cartwheel to get out of yeah. the Martel does it first. Mm-hmm. But like it's it, they do this cool sequence at first where Mr. Perfect keeps scoop slamming Rick Martel and then he he leans down to do something, Martel kicks him away. They do this like three times until finally like perfect kinda out wrestles him. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, they, they do this thing and then he gets ready to do I guess a backdrop or something, and Martel just does a cartwheel he's like ha and then mr perfect does it he's just like fuck i can do that too fuck off (laughs) i wrote mr perfect's chops are fucking intense and cool i forgot how hard his chops hit honestly he's about like rick flair Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of his chopping ability i mean i guess maybe that's why he was matched up with rick before he left I'm so glad we got to see that match. Yeah. That's still, still like one of the better matches I've seen in a while. <laughs> um, but I, I wrote Martel's doing a good job healing it up. You know, he was doing the shit where he's like, no, don't punch me in the face. And he like gets away and hides in the ropes. Mm-hmm. Tells him to fuck off and he's doing shit. He's doing underhanded shit. And then finally he punches him in the face when he gets the chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Then Mr. Perfect starts doing a comeback. Like, he gets control for a while, and then Perfect comes back. He does, like, a atomic drop. He bounces into the corner. He picks him up. And then he does a Manhattan drop, the front atomic drop. Mm-hmm. And then he fucking bounces him into the corner again. I think he does a whip, and he does a backdrop. And he's like, yeah, and he's the straps down. Oh, shit. Then they go to commercial break. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was so fucking mad, dude. Because I was like, why this match is fucking good. Like, yeah. this could be possibly better than Bret Hart versus Fatsu. Uh, there was potential. There was potential there. But then you come back and you see, like, fucking Mr. Perfect going out of the ring, you know, celebrating with the fans. And I'm just like, what the fuck? We missed the finish. I'm like, are you guys serious? You, God damn it. And they showed it, basically, which was just, he hit the perfect plex, pal. And I'm like okay god damn it that didn't help me we didn't see like what led up to it yeah um i i I was mad uh because i was at almost a six for this uh this match but then like we didn't see the ending and i gave it a 5.7 out of 10 i gave it a six just because it's that's it was higher than that for me before it got to that point Mm -hmm. and then like you have a shitty there was two commercial breaks actually they came back, and then, like, I think it was perfect 
was in his comeback or they were doing something else after that for like a very brief, it almost felt like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, we got to go back to commercials. And they came back and then it was over. And I'm like, hey, what the fuck was that? That was a poorly timed set of commercial breaks. I I I I I think I yelled out loud. I said, "Do we really need to see Ico Pro like a fucking thousand times?" Yes, Bret Hart <laughs> needs to tell you that you need to have an integrated approach to your training, and that's what Ico Pro is. It's integrated, fucking C O. You gotta want it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. That reminds me because we're talking about Ico Pro and shit. Mr. Perfect's in this match. Jim Cornette told a really funny story about how, like, somebody sent an email and it was like, What did Vince do with all the Ico Pro he didn't sell? I heard a rumor that they buried it in a landfill behind Titan Towers. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it? He's like, No, there's no landfill. But um, he said he remembers that Vince gave a fuck ton of it to Mr. Perfect. <laughs> and then, like, his son. You know, Joe Joe Hennig, he was, I think he was playing baseball at the time. He was, like, in Little League. Mm-hmm. And he was having Joe use it to, like, oh, you'll build up and you'll get strong. And apparently it gave him the shits. <laughs> <laughs> he never used it after that. He was like, no, I don't want to use this stuff. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> and I guess they try to, like, make up for it because they bring Mr. Perfect out with the ring girls like ha ha the ring girls are coming out they win at the end because of Mr. Perfect that was a real Chad move he came out with the girls and was like look at me I'm fucking awesome yeah probably bang, <laughs> probably banged them after the the, the maybe. event maybe um I'm gonna be frank with you um squash matches don't really get me over that much or build me up I don't care for Bob Backlund uh, pa- Papa Shango, I kind of liked. I think he has a good move set. I think he's cool. Um, Tatanka is Tatanka. I always mark out for Tatanka. <laughs> um, the first match didn't go well. It was booked wrong. Um, uh, Virgil had the match of his life when he shouldn't have. Uh. <laughs> And I, I think that brings it down a little bit and just, I don't know. It's another boring episode. I give it a 5.5 5 out of 10. <clears throat> I, this show is a letdown. I'm like you, like, I don't usually mind squash match, but like for them to really sway me, they have to be like really good or interesting. Mm-hmm. None of them were really that this time. And like Bob Backlund's was kind of ho-hum. He just beat some guy really quickly. And it was like, Bob Backlund's weird. Like you were saying. I should have had another doink squash. Yeah, why not? At least I could like be like, I love this evil clown wrestler man who's good at wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I, something about that. I don't know why. Uh yeah, or um where's Razor Ramon at? Yeah. When's the last time we saw Razor, Chico? Where's Shawn Michaels at? Why couldn't we see Razor squash some fuck? Why couldn't he beat the fuck out of that fat guy? That would have been so entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, the the only two matches on the show is Substance suffered because of either bad booking or shitty commercial break timing. Yeah. And Kamala's in action next week, though. I, I, I saw the card real quick. Kamala and who? Or just saying Kamala's going to be in action? 
which they just be. said that's all Vince said. That's all the graphics said. Kamala in action next week. Probably a squash match. That's Kamala. Mm-hmm. So I Martel was fun. Yes, Martel was a, a nice refresher uh for Raw. This is where we're starting to see like other wrestlers be like, hey, this might be something. And they yeah, ca- and like, they're kind of poking through a little bit. Like, hey, Vince, remember you have like a bunch of guys who are, I mean, I don't know if you could argue that they're stars or not, but like you have really good wrestlers still in your fucking group. Why aren't you booking them? Yeah. And I give this a 4.75 out of 10 just because the, the way that match ended was like inexcusable. Yeah. And the booking was terrible. And there weren't any good promos except for that one where Shawn Michaels was super edgy talking about Indians and casinos losing. Can Herb Hefner stop counting really fast, by the way? What's no. his what's his deal with that? Is that his gimmick or he just is he, he saw how Japanese referees count and then he wanted to count fast too. So annoying. Because there are times <laughs> where he's just like one, two, three, and I'm like, is that a three count or he just by accident? One, two, three. It's not it's not even a one, two, it's like and I'm like then he goes Oh the pin. You're talking about the pin. I thought yeah. you meant <laughs> Yeah. Cause he'd be uh, like He'd be like, one, two, three. And I'm like, and then you see him do two, two, two. And then, like, there was one time I think Herb Hefner, which I, I find funny because Herb Hefner is in the, the screw job in Montreal. Uh, you mean, you keep calling him Herb. Earl Hefner. There you go. Earl Hefner. <laughs> Herb Hefner. <laughs> Earl, he- Earl Hefner. Um... Justin Liger. <laughs> We call it. Uh, there were times where Brett gets annoyed a little bit, and even when he's in the face, where he's like, "Is, is that three? And then then you see Earl go two. Like fuck off. I don't, I don't know, man. Um. Anyways, I mean, obviously WCW wins it in this one. I guess WCW's just been really good for us. I still find it funny that most people consider this like a down period for them. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it is compared to like when they were really rocking shit in the eighties, you know? Yeah. But but it's still like, fuck compared to like a lot of the other shit I've had to endure and fucking see over my life. <laughs> like this stuff's just fucking, most of it makes sense and it's not offensive. It's not anywhere near as offensive as like the shit I've had to endure. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that means next week we're back to regular programming. Why not next week? Next bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be back to WCW Saturday Night and Monday Night Raw. So we're going to be doing March 13th of WCW Saturday Night and March 15th of 1993. I said 1999, I think. I don't know. My brain hurts. We're not 1999 yet. Yeah, we're 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 slowly getting there. <laughs> um, but yeah, just remember to watch that and then come back here, and we will um, we will talk about it. Is there anything else you want to bring up before we go? No. All right, and this is where we'll end it, guys. If you want to catch more of getting some color, type it into Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Red Circle, and catch more of our episodes. Um, and then. Maybe you might see see special episodes where we maybe track down some Ron Simmons matches, Ron Simmons matches, and we critique it 
or maybe we'll talk about Brett the Hitman Hearts book or other books. So until next time, everybody, get some fucking color. Peace, peace get, out. Get some arrogance. There you go. <laughs> Later, guys. <laughs>